You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 52. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. So we've had an eventful last couple of days. Busy. Busy might be the the proper word. Busy. I would say eventful. Eventful not in a negative way, but we had some some we we've had our fun too. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> it's Wednesday now, right? That we're recording. Are you having to check the calendar? It's Wednesday. Yes, it is Wednesday. That was a rhetorical question, not a serious one. It was serious to me. I wasn't sure. Oh my. So going backwards, Friday, we went out to a event that was a two-day kink event we taught, and we taught some classes. You did the uh, your, your grappling class. I did my flogging class. We did a... Sex drive. Class, class. on sex drives. Yeah. And uh, so we, we did three classes. Um, they were all on Saturday. So Friday we got to the event. We hung out. We played. We, well, I shouldn't say we. Amanda and I did karaoke. <laughs> Badly, but wonderfully bad. And we got a lot of scenes in. So that was a lot of fun. And yeah. then. Yeah, so we did, we, we did that. We like played till stupid late both days and then we went to um you got your stomping boots out i did i we got the first night there we did a scene and i did my stomping boots and canes and we wrestled around a pretty and kind of we we wrecked her uh the first night and then we wrecked her again the second night so we had some pretty heavy scenes and then you and i scened yeah I did a mini scene with Amanda, which was hilarious. She got a new haircut. Oh, my God. Okay, so you got to tell that story real quick, and then we'll go. So I have a hard limit for Amanda. Yes, I, I have a hard limit for Amanda, which is cutting her hair. I want her to keep her hair long. And I've been trying to work out doing a scene where someone cuts her hair, and I get to act angry about it. So that way she gets all surprised and all that. And I've been working on this for like six months now, and it just has not worked out. And we were able to make that happen. And she was in the little room space. And during events, Amanda really enjoys doing like the little stuff, like the crafts and putting on her onesie and doing all that stuff. So she was in this perfect atmosphere of crafting and doing all this stuff and we got one of our mutual partners to cut her hair. She didn't even realize it was cut for like 15 minutes until I actually said something about her hair. Which was not the way that was initially intended to go. It wasn't, but it worked out funny. 
And so uh, she she got her hair cut and then she thought I did it, which I didn't. Yeah, it was kind of a cute, fun scene. Yeah, so then we went from there to New York. Um, we had some some somebody come. We have a friend who lives in New York. We have another friend who was coming into town. Like it was very, very last minute kind of a thing. Like we found out like two days before we actually went up, maybe three days before we actually went up there. So we went up there and we actually, you know, a lot, a lot of times we have people in New York that we can crash with, but people are out of town and stuff and things. And so we, we wound up doing Airbnb for the first time, which was interesting. Yeah. It was a different experience being and in someone's home. Like that spent you don't know. Monday evening, kind of like worked Monday during the day and then spent Monday evening like hanging out in New York with people and then drove back. And then I chugged express until three in the morning, like the drive back, which was fantastic. So yeah, an interesting, and now we're just trying to catch up on everything mainly. Yeah. So it was very, very busy. And currently we are very much, I don't want to say like dealing with event drop or dealing with like life drop, but definitely recouping. I just think it's dealing with lack of sleep and way too much to do. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about how to choose a dominant. We get a lot of questions from folks saying, you know, how how do I pick someone to do power exchange with? And a lot of times these are the lower cases, the submissives, the slaves, the 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 people who are on the 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 bottom end of things, I like to call them lower cases rather than the upper cases. And it comes down to these ideas of like, I want to make sure that I'm picking the right person to make decisions for me, to have control over me, to be able to make good choices with me in mind. And so when people come to us, they say, well, what makes a good dominant? How do I pick one? And there's a couple of different things that go along with that. So today we're going to help you guys with looking for a dominant, not how to, but who to look for. And a little bit of how to maybe. A little bit. Maybe a little bit. We do, by the way, guys, though, we we do have a whole uh, blog post called You're Not Alone Finding Kinky Partners that, uh, is pretty popular and, and has been helpful for a lot of people. And it really walks step by step through the the how end of things. Like, where do you look? Um, you know, what do you say? That kind of stuff. So definitely check that out. We'll put the link in the show notes for you. But definitely give that a look. So we're going to we're going to stick more to the who here versus the the how. But we'll probably touch on a little bit of both. Yeah, so why is this important, right? Like folks ask us these questions, but why is it important to find someone uh, who can provide you with a power exchange relationship and is healthy and is good? Well, the reason is there's a lot of crappy doms out there. There is just point blank. You don't need to get like your dom certificate. You know, you don't go to a class and, and you're a certified good dom. You don't get um, elected. Huh? Is that a thing? No, that's not a thing. That's exactly what I'm saying. So pretty much anybody can, you know, slap Dom on their name tag and they can, you know, call themselves a Dom. So 
it's important to know what to look for because anybody can identify that way. And maybe they are, but that doesn't mean that they're good at what they do or that they're a good potential partner. I want to talk a little bit about why we have maybe some different perspectives on things. So, Rigel, you're a submissive. I'm a dominant. So, obviously, uh, we may have some some various views um, or at least different approaches to thinking about things. But while we go through, both of us are going to be focusing on one thing, which is what makes someone healthy and happy for you. And the thing is, is that when it comes to power exchange, there are things that are unique to that type of relationship, but there are things that are regardless of if you are in a power exchange or not are important. So we're going to touch on some of those first because I can't stress this enough. Even if you're in a power exchange relationship, it has to be healthy. It has to be happy. And you have to have these things that you need in any other relationship for it to be a good relationship from this person. Um, So regardless of what your role is, these are some things that you have to have from someone that is a prospective partner. The first thing I want to touch on is that... And we're going to spend a bit of time here, guys. Yeah. Because this is something that a lot of people really seem to be missing. Well, and and what happens is, is you're like, this person is sexy. They know how to, you know, spank me. They're really good at this power exchange stuff. To hell with all of that relationship stuff that otherwise would be important. And that's just not true. Well, I, I did. You didn't actually get to say it. I cut in and then you off. So, guys, the thing is, is that, listen, just because you're looking for somebody who is compatible with you power exchange wise and play wise, doesn't mean you can neglect the non-power exchange end of things, right? Like the things that you really should be looking for in every relationship. And if you do that, you're, you're likely to wind up in a place that you're not thrilled with. Now, there, there is a bit of a caveat here, which is that you can be looking for somebody just like like just somebody to like you know like literally the only relationship that you have with them is like a ds type relationship but even with that you want to keep some of these things in mind even relationships that are more just a casual power exchange things things like that some of these things you still want to keep in mind when you're exploring maybe just at a base level it's important to look at those non-power exchange qualifiers when you're looking at a partner. And really one of the first things, especially if this is going to be somebody who's going to be a longer-term partner, if it has the potential of being something that isn't just a, a, a small play relationship, is someone who you want to have more integrated into your life, you want to make sure you have like those basic morals and life goals in common. Um, We often skip over this when we're looking at power exchange. We are looking more towards that power dynamic and those goals versus looking at some of the other things that are big things in life. You know, for example, if one of you is looking to have children and the other one isn't, that could eventually lead to being a major deal breaker. If there's some sort of spiritual or 
political differences that are a huge, huge factor in what you would choose as a partner outside of power exchange, it's probably a good idea not necessarily to have your dominant be in those categories where there's going to be a lot of conflict around that. And to recognize that um, there's actually been some 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 research behind this thought that as we age our feelings in certain areas, specifically things like spirituality, political uh, topics, um, our, our, our basic like moral compass tends to intensify as we get older. So if you're planning on finding a partner and wanting it to be a long-term relationship, regardless of the power exchange, it's a good idea to make sure that they, these are things that align, not necessarily that the two of you agree, but align in a way where there's going to be a happy, good relationship and this isn't going to lead to major conflict later on in your relationship. Um, the next kind of basic thing is this needs to be someone who is based in honesty. When I'm going to get into this a little bit more when we're talking more specifically about power exchange, but every relationship needs honesty because they don't survive without it, right? If I can't trust you to be truthful and, and honest with me and authentic, we're always going to have distrust. Um, and as I said, we'll get a little bit more into the power exchange stuff later, but think about the impact that that has on everyday relationships. And especially when you are confiding in someone else um, and you're giving someone power in your life to that extent, honesty is a big, big deal. Yeah, guys. So really, you know, this kind of breaks down, like when we're talking about things that you need to be looking for, regardless of whether or not you're in a power exchange relationship, right? These, these break down to kind of like two things in my mind, one of which is character, right? Things like, is this person honest? Does this person have your best interests in mind? Um, do you kind of like the way that they approach the world and treat others like they, these kinds of, of things? Right. And then you get and there's always crossover here, which is why it's so tricky to talk about. But then you get into you get into compatibility like things like um, am I physically attracted to this person is kind of one of the most basic ones. But, you know, it, it stuff goes more from there like. Do we do we enjoy spending time doing the same things? Are we looking to kind of get to the same places in life? Like Cassie had mentioned children, like if this person wants children and you don't want children, well, that's, you know, that's a pretty big incompatibility. It's a really difficult one to overcome. Um, you know, do you guys have compatible, doesn't have to be the same, but compatible views on things like religion and politics and things like that? You know, and that, this goes all the way to things like the types of relationships that you guys are looking for. Like, is one of you looking for monogamous relationships, but the other person's looking for non-monogamous, right? Things along those lines. So, you know, these these are things that no matter what, you know, who this person is, um, whether it's a power exchange relationship, monogamous relationship that you're going to need to look for. 
And this, you know, the, the biggest trick with this, there's really two tricks with this, right? Or two parts of this that are important. The first part is knowing this stuff for yourself, like knowing these things about you, right? Like, what do you need? Like, what are your goals in life? What are you looking for in a relationship? What are your needs as far as time and attention and things like that? And, you know, this requires a good chunk of self-awareness. You have to, you have to know these things about yourself, right, first. Like, that is, that is step one. Um, and so we have another blog post, um, you know, it was written around the same time as that how to find a kinky partner that's called, uh, lousy self-awareness is keeping you from finding a partner and here's how to fix it. And, you know, in, in this post, we go through like some of these questions, but there's actually some worksheets on this, um, that I, I highly suggest that you, you go ahead and you download and fill out that like walks you through th some of these questions and you can actually fill them out. Um, and I'll actually, you know, since you're listening to this, if you want to bypass the whole uh, having to jump to another blog post, I'll link straight to these worksheets in the show notes as well, which is going to be at a touch of flavor.com forward slash zero five two. Um, and you can just hop and, and download those right there. So these are these are all things that you need to know. So the second part of that is being able to communicate these things to your partner, right? So you need to actually make sure that you are both communicating these things, like what your needs are, where you're trying to go in life, those kinds of things to any prospective partners, right? And you also need to make sure that you're asking the questions that get you that information about this person. Yeah. So I wasn't actually going to talk about this, but I really like the fact that you said that. So I'm going to give a few suggestions that I give folks as far as how to ask those questions and look for things. Right. And we're going to tell you what you're looking for, but I just want to take a moment. And, and if you've got a piece of paper, this is a good place to write something down. This is like some real key advice here. Can I start? Can I start? Can I start? Go ahead. I have my favorite one. When you're asking somebody questions, so here's here's one thing that you guys are going to have to realize about people, which is people aren't honest, right? Now, if you know me and you know a little bit about my background, you'll understand why I kind of have a somewhat pessimistic outcome on people and how they communicate things, right? But kind of the fact of the matter is that everybody lies. And I don't mean that by saying that, that everybody lies to you intentionally, right? Or that everybody's approaching you with like malice or those kinds of things, because that's not the case. But we all lie every day on, on a regular basis about everything from like big things down to eeny weeny tiny things. And sometimes we know we're doing it and sometimes we don't, but we do it all the time. So, you know, you can take that ray of sunshine with you, I guess, when you're looking for people, but it's not actually meant to be discouraging. You know, what I'm trying to point out here is that you have to look kind of beyond the words that people are saying to you, right? Both because people will sometimes misleads you without even realizing it. And also because we all have a tendency to paint ourselves in a favorable light. Like if you're sitting there and you're talking to somebody who you're interested in, you're not going to like intentionally, if you can, you know, say things that are clearly portray you negatively, right? So when you're asking people questions, 
uh, and you're trying to dig down into any of these things. So you can ask, yeah, sure, here's a great one. So this is the difference between asking, you know, well, what would you do if a scene went wrong, right? To what have you done in the past when scenes have gone wrong? Asking people questions about their past behavior is always a better way to get information than posing it as like a hypothetical future question. Okay, that was mine. Sorry. I this That's my favorite piece of advice. And guys, by the way, this is a piece of life advice you can really apply to any of your communications. Like always ask questions about people's past behavior rather than like posing it as like a hypothetical what if kind of thing. So I don't disagree with you. I don't particularly like the words, we all lie. I think it's more we all paint with a very pretty brush. I think lying has more of this connotation of, you know, I'm trying to be deceptive and I'm trying to do something negative. And I know you said like not with that intention, but I think lying has that that feeling to it versus I think we all do our best, especially in the beginning of relationships, to paint ourselves very well. We tend to more so than lie, omit uh, information that otherwise would be important. Would we all deceive on a regular basis be a more Yes, I think that would be more accurate. In this context? Yes, because if you look up the dictionary, dictionary, like actual definition of lying, lying is something that is intentional. If you read the dictionary actual definition of lying. Lying is to... I think we all mislead intentionally on a fairly regular basis. I think it's just not not necessary with not necessarily with malice, like not for bad. You know, this is like, this is a, an in-depth topic that isn't really... All right, right let's that. move on. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. But yes, we, we tend to paint ourselves in a, in a better light. So um, definitely look at that, look at inconsistencies. That was where I was going to go off of that is if you are noticing that there is a huge difference in what I say I would do versus what I have done, um, pay attention to the past. The other thing that I I want to touch on as far as when, when you're having these conversations and this is something that the poly community does, it's something that the kink community does, is we talk in generalizations. I want to be polyamorous. I'm a submissive. I'm a dominant. And we all define those things very differently. You know, my, my version of poly may be very, very different than my partner's, or my, my idea of a primary might be different than yours, or my idea of what a good submissive is might be very different than yours. And we talk in these generals and then we find out later once we're into a relationship that we sort of have built these ideas and unspoken promises and commitments to things that were not in line with what we actually wanted or were asking simply because we used a label or a generalization. So when you're having some of these questions and you're talking about things like your ideal relationship and what you need and want. Don't just say, I want a dominant. I just want a power exchange relationship. I want an open relationship. Actually getting into the dirt 
and 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 talking about what that looks like. What does that actually mean to you? What does this on a day-to-day basis play out to look like, right? Like go into those details rather than just being like, I'm looking for a dom that's really good at power exchange. What the fuck does that mean? And I'm, I'm not trying to be snarky, but like seriously, that can mean a whole lot of different things. Different things to different people. So yeah, so just guys, just uh, wasn't where we were going with this an episode. It's not even, you know, but but it's definitely, you know, when when you know when you're talking to people, it's really important both to communicate effectively and openly and honestly. Because right, and this is this is the other end of this. We we all have this tendency when we see somebody and we really like them, and we're in this like, oh my god, like I really want, I really want to make this work. Like this person seems amazing. Like they seem like a great fit. And we see something that's like clearly not in line, right? With, with, with it's clearly not compatible. We kind of have a tendency to try and sugarcoat that or explain to ourselves how it will work out, or like you know, like the the most dreaded thing you can ever think, which is well, they'll change, right? Like. So it, it's just it's really important to both communicate, you know, once once you know what you're looking for and, you know, what you need, it's really important to, you know, both communicate effectively those things to somebody else and to be able to effectively uh, ask questions and get to know people, right, and evaluate, uh, evaluate if there is compatibility there. All right. So we've talked about sort of more of the general stuff. I want to dive into specifically some things that you want to look at in a dominant. So the first thing, and we've already started talking about this a little bit, is really looking into, and this is going to go back to asking those questions and looking into things, looking for someone who's looking for the same sort of power dynamic that you are. Um, And I sort of said that thing earlier about like, I want a dominant who's really good at power exchange. What the fuck does that mean? The reason I say this is there is so many different ways to do power exchange. There is uh, different protocols. There is different levels of inside the bedroom versus outside the bedroom. Uh, What that looks like, whether it's 24-7 or it's short term, or even if it is 24-7, that means different things to different people. Um, there are some folks who, you know, a 24-7 relationship might mean making decisions down to almost everything, you, you giving up the power for someone to make all of your decisions, to a 24-7 where it's, you know, the power dynamic around the clock and there's protocols, but it's not necessarily certain things are being decided and decisions are being made. So you want to look for somebody who's in line, not necessarily exactly the same, but close enough that when you guys dive into this, you're not like, whoa, man, like this is not what I was looking for and neither are they. So really, really looking for somebody who is interested in in what it is that you're interested in, whether that is something that is more serious, like an MS dynamic of the sorts to something casual. All of these things are generalizations. So as, as I said, we're all, we, we, as, as kinksters and poly people and people in general are horrible about agreeing on what terms mean, but just as a general rule, right. MS tends to refer to master slave relationships as opposed to like DS or dominant submissive relationships. What are the differences? 
Depends who you ask, but master-slave relationships tend to lean more towards the like 24-7, more control over life type of thing. Boom. Done. There you go. (laughs) Um, So, you know, regardless of if it is a, you know, more casual DS or like an extreme 24-7 MS, it's a good idea to have an idea of what it is that this person is looking for because... If it's not compatible, you don't want to find yourself in a position where you've grown attraction and caring, and now either one of you is trying to push each other into a box. I want to throw something else in here. It's important when you're talking to somebody, especially as a submissive, but also as a dominant, but I feel like in some ways, especially as a submissive, it's really important to get an idea of what kind of background the person you're talking to has. Like in terms of what what have they done before and how has that gone? Absolutely. Um, and one of the things that I like to say and I joke about, but it's it's serious. I, I say it jokingly, but I'm serious, is, you know, hear about how they talk about their past submissives. Hear about how they talk about their past relationships. And this, this is in general for anybody, but especially when it comes to a, a, a dominant type, you know, person that you're looking for. If every submissive was a horribly bad behaved submissive and was, uh, you know, this, that, and the other, that probably says more about them than it does about their previous submissives. Yeah. And that's, that's more of like a general, I mean, it's the same thing when you're looking for a partner and it's not like a, you know, it's not like a dominant submissive thing, right? Like generally if somebody has all they have to say is bad things about their past partners, they're the problem. But I'm more talking about, you know, their their experience in like what, you know, as you said, there's a lot of different kinds of power exchange. What what has their experience been? Like what kind of power exchange relationships have they had in the past? Like how long have they been doing power exchange? How long have their last couple of power exchange relationships lasted? Like what what did those relationships actually look like, right? This is where it's sometimes it's more helpful to ask people about their history than the future. But like, you know, when you're trying to evaluate, are you guys looking for the same kind of power exchange? What what did their last couple of power exchange relationships look like? You know, one thing that I found to be an interesting thing is that a lot of times the people who come on the strongest off the bat are the least experienced. I guess, how do you go about figuring out like what somebody's experience has been and like how knowledgeable are they? Because, you know, power exchange is what, you know, when you're playing with people, it's important to talk to people and, you know, get references and things like that. You know, like if, especially you're going to do anything particularly heavy with this person, because depending on what you're doing and how stuff goes, like when a scene goes wrong, you can get pretty screwed up physically. When you have a power exchange situation, you have a power exchange relationship that goes, goes badly like you can wind up in a situation where you're in trouble emotionally which is can be worse in in a lot of ways than the physical stuff right so how can you go about kind of figuring out what experience this person has and if they're safe right you know in in the placence versus the you know not so much in the placence but the the power exchange sense because it's a lot of the same ways that I think feel like you go about evaluating these things. Like evaluating if somebody's a safe player versus if they're a safe and experienced dominant. Yeah, I think it's very similar. You know, you talk to people that 
especially maybe not for your first date. You know, you're, you're not going to go out and, and, and do a survey after your first date. But once you have some chemistry and you decide that this is a person that you want to pursue, talking to other people in your community who have seen their relationships, maybe if they're on good terms with an ex, talking to one of their exes about what that relationship looked like. Um, I found it incredibly helpful from the, the flip reverse side, um, talking to one of my past submissives, old dominant. It gave me a lot of perspective on that person and exactly, you know, what they were looking for and how that played out. And it can sometimes be very, very eye-opening. And guys, by the way, this is, uh, this is when we talk about, you know, the importance of when you're looking for partners getting out and like finding your community and that kind of stuff versus just doing everything online. Part of the reason is to meet people. But another part of the reason is this, right? It's because people like people have seen people date like, you know, they they get an idea of them. They, they know how experienced they are. They watch people play like it's a I've heard it. I know you hate this word, but like described as like a small incestuous community before. Right. Like everybody's dated everybody else. Like generally, like there's there's a lot of crossover. So like, you know, there's a lot of knowledge about people and how they date and how they do power exchange and how they play floating around out there if you're in out in the community and in the right place where, you know, people can tell you. So, yeah, definitely, guys, make sure that you do not underestimate the importance of not just looking into your potential partners on a play background, but if you're looking for power exchange, you want to check into their background with power exchange and relationships as well. So another thing to look for is to start paying attention to, and this goes into looking into some of their past behaviors, things like that, the integrity that this person has, right? Like if you're noticing that, um, you know, this is a person who can't ever admit when they're wrong. Hey guys, newsflash, doms make mistakes. I know that is like, but like, you know, if, if you're noticing that this person can't ever admit that they've ever done anything wrong in their life and they're always the correct one, they're never, ne never anything that they need to correct or grow or learn, um, take notice of that. You want somebody who's got integrity and can say, you know, actually, I don't know this. Or, hey, I've I've screwed up here. Because if you don't feel like they have integrity, that they're going to be truthful and open about what their flaws are, you're never actually going to be able to trust and respect them, which is ultimately going to affect your DS relationship. There is no better way to destroy a DS relationship than having a power dynamic where the submissive feels like they cannot trust the dominant. I can't trust you to make the right decisions. I can't expect you to admit fault when things are your fault. Um, and this also goes into knowing that this person has your best interest in mind. If I really care about my submissive, if there's something I don't know, if there is something that I need work on, or that I need to do, I'm going to admit that and I'm going to take steps to correct that for their best interest in mind. So this integrity really comes down to knowing that this person is not just doing things for themselves, they're not just bolstering themselves up, but they're somebody who's willing to 
be uh, a little bit on the side of, you know, yeah, I, I, I did make a mistake or yeah, I do need improvement. And this leads into, you know, as far as the integrity, like the humility of it, you know, like being able to admit these things in a way that is fair and honest to you. When we have power dynamics, it's really easy to fall into a place of this person has the authority, so therefore they're always right. And there has to be that that balance in your relationship of recognition, because at the end of the day, if this keeps happening, if there's things that you're noticing where it's not being accepted or it's not being acknowledged, it's going to break that trust later on down the road. So those, those the, the, the integrity and humility are really, really important. I think the next thing we're getting ready to touch on is, is one of the biggest things that you really need to pay attention to. You know, it's, it's been interesting. So we've, we've, spend a, a significant amount of time around the MS community, which does, you know, if you're not aware, have its kind of own separate like sub community within the BDSM community. And, you know, we've, we've met a lot of really great dominants or masters or, you know, however you want to phrase it. And w- one of the things that I've felt has really been maybe in a lot of ways the most distinguishing factor between and I'm just going to use the word dominance um really excellent dominance and really shady dominance like or really shitty dominance is is better than shady uh, if i had to boil it down to one thing it's the dominance who put their submissives before themselves in a lot of ways, right? Like these are people who they try and leave every submissive like as a better person than when they found them. Like they're, you know, and and I'm just throwing some examples out here, but you know, they're making sure that their submissives are taking care of themselves physically or are getting an education. Um, or are, you know, making, like, helping them, like, make the career moves that they want to make. Um, and I, I feel like that, you know, that that willingness to put, and I know it's, like, it can seem like a reversal of, oh, but, you know, the dominant is supposed to come first, which is, you know, true in certain ways. But that, that, those have been the best dominance that I've met. One of the terms that um, two two people that I have a large amount of respect for, Master Taino and Master David, um, is they use the term masters in service. And what that means is although you are being serviced by your your submissive and and they are doing all the fun, sexy things and stuff like that. And even some of the unsexy things. And some of the unsexy things, you know, the life things. That you are still in service of caring for them, for looking out for their intention, you know, best intentions, for doing things to better them. And that is what that balance is, is that, yes, I may have power over certain things, 
but I'm using that power to help you, not just myself. And that is what makes the difference in a healthy and unhealthy power exchange. So when you're looking at partners, really pay attention. Is this person just self-motivated? Is everything that they're talking about, about their gain, about what they want, how uh, you know they're going to be pleasured and served and this, that, and the other? Or is their vision, right, their, their vision of a relationship with their submissive, a vision where they want to see not only the bestest parts of themselves, but the bestest parts of their submissive. They want to, they want to see the best that you can be. And not when I say best that you can be, the best you can be for them. That is not what I'm saying. But I'm, yes. <laughs> but yes, I mean, yes. Not just though, but the best version of yourself, whether that might be, you know, as Rigel was talking about, you know, getting a higher education or going further in your career or pursuing hobbies that you are really interested and happy with. Is this person's vision something where your best person is in mind? And I mean, really, it comes down to you should both be benefiting from this relationship, right? And, you know, I, I really feel like at the end of the day, one of the best examples of this, if you want to you kind of tell the David story, um, one of one of one of the David stories we've got we've got a few, <laughs> you know several from before he passed away but I feel like uh, like examples are kind of the best. Oh, you're gonna get me choked up again. The last time I talked about David on the podcast, yeah, I got all teary. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, guys, we we did a podcast on our guide to healthy power exchange, which isn't about finding a partner, but it's about how to build a healthy power exchange relationship, which is. The last time Cassie told one of these stories and got teary-eyed. Um, so we'll put that link in the show notes as well. I highly, highly recommend that you listen to that because there is a lot of stuff in there uh, that we're, we're not covering here because we're leaning more towards the how to find or who to look for <laughs> specifically. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll give a small example of this. So Master David, you know, he had his, his, his slave and she was going to medical school and was working all kinds of crazy hours and... I think she was um, interning at the time yeah. that we had this discussion. Yeah. And, um, you know, she, before going, had a lot of the house duties, you know, like vacuum cleaning, things like that. And while she was was in middle school doing the internship and her hours were just off the wall, uh, we went over at one point and it was kind of interesting seeing Master David with a with, with a... <laughs> <laughs> with a with with a vacuum nozzle and vacuuming but you know he was like this is what i can do for her to best serve me by bettering herself because he wanted her to have you know a great career things like that they there was a bigger age difference he recognized that there was going to be a period of time where in life where he was going to be passing on before his partner and he wanted her to be set up in the bestest positive way for her and he was like, so this is the best way she can serve me is by going to school and being able to take care of herself when I'm not here. See, I made it through that without getting teared up too much. <laughs> yeah. So guys, just, you know, you really, that, that's something that you really need to look for. Okay. Look for somebody who uh, is going to take care of you when you need to be taken care of, who is 
concerned for you as well as them who wants to see you become the best that you can be. You want to look for somebody who is interested in growth, right? Anytime you get a dom who's like, you know, I uh, I went to dom training school in Europe and I know all the things and nobody else needs to teach me anything. A, there was no dom training. No, is it one of the great houses of Europe? Is that the quote? Yes. Yeah. There yes. was no great houses of Europe that they trained at. That's bullshit. Um, you should just have left already when you heard that. But in all seriousness, guys, um, anybody who thinks that they know everything and they have nothing to learn, that is not a person that you want to be investing time and energy and feelings into. So beyond that, and we spent a lot of time there because I do think that that is really important. I said if I had to nail pick, I think if I if I had to pick one thing, like one specific thing, I think that would be yeah. But a few others um, is to pay attention if they are conscientious, and what I mean by this is, do they pay attention to things like? being reliable and practical and organized and and I'm not saying like down to a T, right? Like we all have our flaws. Are you saying if they have general life skills? If they pay attention to the important things in life, yes. If they pay attention to having some of those things down. Like what I mean is is like don't it's, get don't get so hung up in like they're an amazing kink person that like they they can't even like handle like buying groceries and paying yes, their bills yes, kind of a like, thing. Make sure that this person, even regardless of the sexy traits that they have, right? Like they might be banging. Like, is this somebody who can be dependable, right? And and can be is this a dominant that can take care of themselves if you weren't around? Like, that's a really good question to ask yourself. Like, is this somebody who, like, if they did not have a submissive, could not take care of anything? And the reason why I'm saying this is because life fucking happens, right? Like, we get sick, we get ill. We want to be with somebody that we know is a reliable partner, right? Because regardless of what type of relationship you have, you want someone that you're a team player with. Um, So you want someone who you can share your life with. And when things go wrong, you know, has the ability to handle things and do things and not just be you. If you're going to be sharing your life with someone, you need to pay attention to if they are bringing things to the table as well as you beyond their sexy domly ways, right? Can you actually expect that this person can take care of you if something happens? Can you expect that like the house isn't going to flood and the bills aren't going to get paid if for some reason you couldn't do it? Something that I think is also really important to look for in a dominant is someone who recognizes that the people in the relationship are more important than power exchange. And this is kind of a... Another life skill? uh, Well, I was going to say it's... It can sometimes be controversial in the power exchange community. Yeah. So so it can be controversial because, you know, power exchange can be something that's super, super important. Yeah. Well, no, I was going to say, you know, there's this... It's kind of this maxim in poly, and I forget where it's from... 
Um, but it's one of those things that's all over, which is, you know, the people in the relationship should always be more important than the relationship itself, right? If like the relationship ever becomes unhealthy, well then, you know, for somebody or it's not working, then it should be more important for you for them to be happy than to stay in that, you know, have them in that relationship. But in power exchange, we're more talking about it. it it's not really quite the same. It's not really quite the same thing though so much, right? It's more like, well, it is. It depends on how you phrase it. If it gets to the people in the relationship are more important than the structure of the relationship, then then it is kind of the same thing if that's how you're phrasing it. Yeah. And I think it falls into a couple of different categories. So like the first one obviously applies to sort of what you were saying with Polly, which is like if the relationship isn't working, then maybe you end it or change the relationship so it better serves the people. But this also goes into the treatment and the day-to-day in your power exchange. Example, if a submissive is ill or injured or sick, maybe you don't need to have to have some of those protocols that you otherwise would have because it's more important to take care of that person than that protocol. Or perhaps, you know, there's some sort of large life event that's happening and these are things that you normally do, putting that aside because you recognize that them dealing with that thing, maybe a death or something like that, what I'm saying, large life event, is more important for them and their well-being. Even down to things like parenting, sometimes we have to make choices between the power exchange and the bigger picture of relationships and things like that. And recognizing that the people in the relationship and their needs, their health, their betterment is more important than the power exchange. So how does this show up in power exchange? Like, what does this actually look like? I can do it more from like the don'ts. Okay. Okay. So it shows up in a negative way like this. My submissive was in a car accident, broke a bunch of bones, and now I'm still demanding that They do their daily protocols and make my tea and things like that. Yeah, so guys, here's here's something that I want to kind of brush on for a minute. We're talking about power exchange. And this was something that kind of, I think, surprised me when we first started, like, kind of hanging out in the MS community. Most of us, I think, come into power exchange and kink and all this stuff in general, but power exchange in particular, with really this kind of fantasy view of what that looks like, right? Like, like she's going to grab me up and I'm going to be a sex toy and like every day is... Go ahead, Cassie, what? Yeah, I got one. Okay. And every day I'm going to be strapped down to the cross and beaten. And then when I get up, I'm going to crawl across the floor and bring her tea. And then I'm going to massage her feet and I'm going to lick her shoes. And then after that, I'm going to get up and I'm going to shower and shave and come back to her. And she is going to... I'll wrap it up. Hold on. I'm just going through like my perfect image. And then she is going (laughs) to... Uh, is this just your perfect day from the other end? Just um, and then she's gonna strap on me and beat me, and then later um, I'm going to give her massage and cuddle up to her and sleep at the bottom of the bed, wrapped in chains, and that's gonna be the end of my day. Yeah, something which like episode, that. Which episode are we doing? <laughs> how to find a dominant? I could have sworn it was how to find a dominant. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, I'm okay. So <laughs> I like somewhere it turned into how to find a submissive and then what the fantasy looks like. Anyways, so uh, no, but you know, and and where I think this comes into into play, you know, especially with power exchange is like you know my dom's gonna make every decision, everything like in our relationship is gonna be like this perfect interaction on the level of power exchange. And one of the things that really struck me when we started, you know, as I said, spending time in the MS community is that you realize that that's really only something that works with somebody that like you see once a month on a weekend specifically for the purposes of doing that, of engaging in kink, of power exchange. Like when you're with somebody all the, you know, all the time, like, right, when you have a a deep relationship with somebody and there are other parts of your life besides just power exchange, life happens. And it doesn't look like the textbook perfect fantasy like you may still have all those protocols in place but then like there's also you know the having to deal with the kids and having to deal with the house and you the know job. the job and and all these things and you know and it doesn't you know even for the most MSE of ms people it doesn't look like the fantasy all the time so that's just something to keep in mind i felt like those two were were kind of related yeah, absolutely and so Just keeping in mind that with those things that you want in your power exchange, there has to be, and the word that came to mind while we were talking about this is flexibility. Like there has to be the flexibility of recognizing that we are people, people have needs, and sometimes those needs have to come before the power exchange, just like those needs sometimes have to come before other things in our lives. Um, And making sure that the people in that relationship are protected and taken care of regardless of if something with a power exchange doesn't work out. Um, And, you know, I'm not necessarily saying forever, but that willingness to flex and, and be flexible when you need to. So those are the things that you want to look for. And those are the the things that you want to make sure you're looking at a partner for. But we kind of want to give you some of the red flags, some of the things that if you're dating somebody and you're talking to them and you're getting to know them to kind of look out for and to uh, give give a little caution to. Yeah. So one thing that I thought was interesting, we're doing a little research for this episode that I hadn't I hadn't thought of initially when we were coming up with the material. But then, you know, you see it and you're like, ah, yes, is that there are people who like like uh, and they're not necessarily new doms themselves but like who like to go for like the fresh meat so Mm. to speak right like and you know like they have they get kind of that kick out of like being the first one to like claim the fresh meat i wouldn't necessarily say it's a red flag because not all of those doms are bad doms like in any sense but i do think it's something to kind of kind of be aware of maybe and like just understand that that's Because sometimes it is a red flag. Like, it's not always a red flag, but sometimes it's just because they think it's it's sexy to claim the fresh meat. But other times it's because those people don't know better. Um, You know, like they're they're not going to object to some some things that they should know to object to, like some things that aren't good. Yeah. So I'll use myself as an example here. I think it is fun to sometimes do stuff with somebody who's a little newer because then you get to teach them what you like. And there's an appeal there. 
But what you want to look out for is, is this somebody who is doing this regularly? They don't play or interact or have had relationships with anybody who is not new? Is it that they're doing this so that way they're avoiding people who have experience because the people who have experience ain't going to take their shit, wouldn't put up with the things that they're not doing correctly? Is this a way of I'll get someone who is less experienced than me and they won't catch what I'm doing that is unethical or unsafe So just be aware. It's not to say that there aren't some people like myself who occasionally like, it's fun to do stuff with somebody who's new because then I get to meld them a little bit into what I like Um, because it it can be fun. Uh, But if if they have a history of never being willing to, to date people who have more experience or play with other people who have experience, really pay attention to what might that motivator be. So... This one kind of goes kind of piggybacking off of that one, which is if you're meeting people. And now it's a separate one. I really think it's separate. It's, it's separate, but I'm, I'm saying it can piggyback off of it. The next sort of red flag is one that I feel like I have to say more than all the other ones. Um, I... I constantly talk to people either sending in questions to the podcast or people who hop on the phone with me who are like this dominant person wants to hop right into DS and into a relationship as far as power dynamics right when I meet them. Like as soon as we're, we, we've had one or two conversations, they want to hop into like a serious MS master slave 24 seven thing. And This is sort of a a red flag because what this is showing is one, that they're not really being selective about who they are selecting as a submissive. It shows that they aren't really taking the time to get to know you and they're not respecting that you need to get to know them. I'm not saying kind of diving in and playing around with it a little bit, but you certainly shouldn't be you know, going to dinner and someone slapping a slave contract on the table and being like, sign this now. You want to get to know the person and see if any of those compatibilities line up. Uh, At a very basic level, you want to make sure that what you're looking for in this dynamic is in line with what they want in this dynamic. And you want to make sure that it is something where you are able to have a conversation and negotiate what your power exchange is going to look like. And that's not something that's going to happen with, okay, I'm going on a date with you. Suddenly now you're my submissive. That didn't allow that time to be able to have a conversation around what both of you want and need to negotiate that. And yes, when we are in a power exchange, we are giving up power or taking power. But before that action happens, there should be a negotiation. I think for me, that's mainly like I feel like we've addressed the other red flags, like people who I guess people who like don't want you to ask around about them or, you know, people who, like you said, are putting down all their past submissives and talking about how horrible they were offhand. I feel like we've kind of addressed red flags. Is there anything else you want to throw in there? 
Um, the only other one that I would address is if this person is not willing to hear what it is that you want from a power exchange relationship as well. That That's a big thing to keep in mind that this person is, and that goes back to a lot of things that we were talking about, someone who's interested in what you want and what you need, not just their own, but paying attention to that. If, if you recognize that all they ever talk about and all they ever want to focus on is what they're getting from the dynamic, that's probably a red flag. I'm going to wrap this up. I just want to give a couple more quick tips that have come kind of come to my mind as we're talking about this. First off, you know, I know a lot of people who are looking for a dominant, especially if you've been looking for a dominant for a long time, it can be super easy to kind of settle for whatever comes along in the thought that, you know, like this is like this is your only opportunity. And to, to settle for things that like for somebody you know isn't compatible or who you know isn't going to be good for you or who wants like, you know, a different form of MS than you do. And that's that's not great, right? Like it's okay to wait until the right person comes along and to be doing other stuff in the meantime, even if that's, you know, having power exchange relationships that maybe isn't your like, I want to say forever relationship, but like, you know. Or more play oriented yeah. or more just fun oriented, Something casual. That's more, more play oriented instead, you know, maybe it is that person you're getting together with. You're like, and I've had these, by the way, I want to say I've had these partners in my life, right? Who it's like, okay, you would not be my dominant. This would not work, but it would be amazing to come over to your house for a weekend and have you dom me for that weekend, right? Like, like that'd be great. So you can, you can do that. Something else I was, I just, I like to remind people and you should understand this, but as a submissive, you do have the right to say no, and you always have the right to say no. You always have the right to say no. I mean, that's really it, period. Anybody who tells you that you don't or who tells you that, you know, real slaves don't have limits uh, is dangerous and you should get away from them as quickly as possible. And I, I wanted to talk about like protocol for a minute. Like I, I know I a lot of people like they don't know. And I'll actually let you address this from the dominant, but like it's like, okay, you know, I found this domly type of person. We're going out on a date. How do I address them? Like what's the proper way to address them? So... I first want to reference that I did a lot of talking about this stuff in how to find a female dominant. Uh, Your kinkly article. My kinkly article. I did go into this in a lot of detail, but just a few little sort of pointers on that addressing sort of thing. First off, this kind of starts even before going on a date. If you are reading someone's profile or they've had a conversation with you and they're saying, this is something I do not want to be called, right? They have a right to not be called what they don't want to be. So for example, I can go about being called just about anything. I, I, I like daddy. I like master. I like madam. I like lady. I can take 90% of She likes the, daddy more when she has a cock. I do. Um, but I, I, I go with like pretty much most of the dominant titles I'm, I'm, I'm down with. I despise mistress. Not on other people, that's their choice. But for me, I do not like being called mistress. And it's something that I have on my profile. It's something that when I'm talking to somebody and they ask about how I like to be addressed, things like that, I specifically say, I do not like to be called mistress. It is rude. The main thing with that is ask. Ask if there is something that 
this person doesn't want to be called, if it's something that they prefer. No, you don't have to start calling somebody master so-and-so or mistress so-and-so or whatever right out the gate. You have a choice. There there are like three people in the world that I refer to by their self-given titles. Um, so, yeah. And we've referred to two of them in this. Uh, we, yeah, <laughs> and, and between Cassie and this, uh, uh, this podcast, you've heard of all of them. No, so. we're missing one. Yeah. Uh. True. Master Don. You yes. Didn't, yeah. Yes, you're missing that's one. That's true. Sorry, uh, I am missing one. But uh, so you don't have to call anybody anything. You do want to avoid what people do not want to be called. If something is a turnoff or is something that someone just doesn't like, you know, be respectful of that, but have that conversation. I recommend that the first time you're meeting somebody, especially if this is somebody that you've had no interactions with prior, aside from maybe online or like, can I get your number at a play party? When you go, it's probably a better idea to come to the table, the the figurative table, not the literal table, as equals and actually talk with this person and get to know this person a little tiny bit before hopping into feeling like you need to do every single protocol and things like that. Now, I'm not saying don't do some of the romantic things that could otherwise be considered protocols. Like, sure, get the door for somebody, pull out a chair. But don't necessarily hop right into that stance of, I'm going to start serving you in all of the ways that I think you would like. Because, one, you're not this person submissive yet. You're getting to know them. Two, that might not be the way that person wants to be served. Um, an example of this is when we go out to eat, Rigel orders for me uh, or Amanda. I get people to talk to the wait staff, not because I'm not picking my own meal, not because I, um, you know, that's something that they're doing uh to me. It's something they're doing for me. I don't like talking to wait staff, and I always feel like I'm having to explain my food and it just makes it easier for me to have them do that. So I may not want to, going out on a date, order somebody else's food. I would really dislike that. That would be a great way to turn Cassie off is to be like, oh, you pick my food for me. So, and that's just one example. But rather than hopping into, I'm going to serve this person and do all these things, come to the table as equals and actually Get to know the person, have a little bit of conversation to see where that person likes to be served and how that person would like to have those interactions. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, If you haven't checked out, we do have a New Year's Eve party that's coming up. It's uh, on New Year's Eve in Baltimore. So if you're in the DMV area, check it out. There is not a better way to bring in the new year than kink and sexy time and all the fun stuff that you can get into with your fellow kinksters and poly community will be out there. So if you haven't checked that out, definitely do it. Uh, you ha- you know you don't have any better plans. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF-1. You need more water here. What is in there? 
Not water. Fuck that. Fuck that shit. Oh, fefe. I will not drink Look, coffee. you bought this dollar store I shit. I feel like crap. you have to I drink it. I will not it. drink coffee. I feel like no. it would be fair. No, no. I really I feel like it would be fair. I will not drink the coffee. Will not do it. I will not drink I, coffee. I feel like it would be... I will be sitting here gagging. No. I feel like it would Ew, be fair. Gross. Like it would coffee be f- drinkers are disgusting. Like it would be no, fair, no. though. I don't care if it's fair. I could have gotten you... No, I could have gotten you a better drink. I just feel like this is the drink you deserve for buying this shit. Dollar store coffee. Dollar store coffee, Albie. The fuck? Have your vision. Can I dom your coffee drinking? <laughs> no. Is, is that a is no. that a hard limit? Yes. <laughs> no. So add that. You don't to drink the coffee. You don't understand shitty coffee. You may not. I, I understand coffee. shitty coffee. All coffee is shit. Which is just my point that you no, don't understand shitty no, coffee. No, coffee is coffee is shit. Like the cat says. <laughs> coffee is shit. Dollar store coffee. All right, let's roll. <laughs>